Hi, my name's Emmy. And I'm Kayla. We've been best friends since college, where we found out we had a lot in common. We were both vibrant communications majors who met at a leadership camp. We've shared some of life's major milestones together, from living together in college, first loves and breakups, to each of our weddings, and now we even have our own families. I recently moved back from North Carolina after living there for four years. We now live in the same town again. One of the biggest things that's connected us have been our pasts dealing with trauma. I struggled with an eating disorder for a lot of my childhood and an early adulthood. And I was sexually assaulted by a family member over a long course of time as a young kid. We wanted to start this podcast not only to share our stories with the world, but to give other people the opportunity to share their stories and give them a voice. No matter your age, race, or gender, everyone has a story, and we're here to break down barriers constructed by today's taboo society. This is Motherful. Powerful moms, powerful topics. All right, welcome everyone. We have a special edition of Motherful here today. We have my sister, Alyssa Geyer, with us today. Hi, everyone. Yes, so she is going to be leading this topic. It is about birth experience, birth stories. Um, but before we get into her story, and we'll go into my story and Emmy's story as well. Before we do that, we're going to do our usual happy thoughts or happy thing that happened in our life. Um, I'll go first. Uh, I recently connected with a gentleman who is taking donations down to Kentucky tornado victims. So I am using my little angels program that I spoke about in previous podcasts to gather up donations of new and used clothes to take down to those victims. That's pretty awesome. It's so interesting. When I was living in North Carolina, you know, we would go through hurricanes and stuff down there. That now that I live in Pennsylvania where we aren't affected by hurricanes, tornadoes like that, it's sometimes hard to hear about those things. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, uh, and so you said something, I didn't know that there was a tornado, if I'm being honest. Didn't pop up on my news feed, I guess. Oh, it was like early December that this happened. It wiped out a couple of cities. It left them like completely and utterly homeless. No water, no sewer, no nothing. So it was pretty wow. devastating for them. Yeah, I'm sure. Any tornadoes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so I will go next, I guess. My exciting thing is that my daughter just turned three years old. Mm-hmm. We just did a little thing at our house for her the day of our birthday, and we have her birthday party coming up this weekend. We're going to take her to a trampoline park to bounce around and be fun. And at the same time, we're really – cracking down on her potty training. I know I've complained <laughs> about that, but it, it's definitely been a, a struggle, but I think we're on the up up and up path right now. Hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah, I'm going to say that potty training. Um, <laughs> yeah. My, oh my goodness. But something great that's happening in my life right now is that we're starting to do a little bit of homeschool preschool with Micah. He just, he turned three over the summer and um, he's doing really well. He really likes learning things and I have a little room that I made for for homeschool for when he actually gets a little older to actually start doing it every day but we've been working on that that's definitely exciting I I definitely I think it would be interesting you know he's in the same atmosphere same relationship that he always has been so making the transition of oh this is playtime versus oh we're now going to start focusing on homeschooling learning but you're still in the same environment I feel like that would be kind of a a bit of a struggle honestly yeah yeah it has its challenges I already noticed you know with the little one Henry running around getting into things it's hard to to focus on Micah the whole time but 
little by little is all we can do each day and hopefully it picks up on some stuff along the way. So we're going to go ahead and get into Alyssa's topic. Her topic she chose was birthing experiences. So Alyssa, I don't know if you want to give some background on who you are first and then jump into what you'd like to talk about. Okay, so my name's Alyssa. I am Kayla's little sister. Kayla is only two and a half, three years older than I am. So I got married in 2017 to my high school sweetheart, Alex. And six months later, we found out that we were expecting our first baby. And we were so excited because we were trying and we were hoping to be blessed with a little baby. And, you know, we were expecting. And so um, I always knew that when I have a, a baby that I wanted to do it naturally and wanted to have the least intervention as I could possible because I love a good challenge. I love um, <laughs> with a purpose. So going through childbirth, I was really looking forward to it and being able to prove that, you know, my body can do this and that I'm strong. A, a woman's made to, you know, birth babies. And uh, I was looking forward to the pain and to the challenge of, of birthing her baby. So I did everything I could to prepare. I watched YouTube videos. Some great resources I used was Bridget Tyler. She has a bunch of um, childbirthing videos on YouTube, as well as Sarah LaVon. And so I just started, you know, digging up some resources about natural birth stories and learning some different breathing techniques and learning how to fully relax my body and to get in certain birthing positions. And I also read the book Natural Home Birth, The Bradley Way. And basically the Bradley way is, you know, just natural breathing and learning how to fully have a mind body connection. That way, when you are going through the labor, you can imagine with your mind what your uterus is doing and how it's contracting and how your body is working like a machine to um, birth your baby. So my husband and I practiced that. We actually attended some Lamaze classes as well, made our birth plan and as we were going through this natural home birth book that I was reading, I was learning that some hospitals like to have their interventions. Like um, if you don't progress at a certain time frame, they want to intervene by, you know, doing Pitocin or breaking your waters or, you know, whatever way to get you progressing. And I started to think, well, maybe I should get a midwife and birth at home. But being that, you know, it was my first baby, I just felt more comfortable once, you know, birth in a hospital. And actually the hospital I was birthing at was closing, mm-hmm. closing. And I was like one of the last people to birth in that hospital. So, yeah. So as I started to progress throughout my pregnancy, um, everything was perfect. I didn't have any gestational diabetes. I didn't have any issues. Baby was healthy. I actually went past my due date by 11 days. And so each, every other day past my due date, I had to go into the hospital and get the stress test done to make sure, you know, the baby's heart rate's good and just everything's, you know, going well. And um, on the 11th day, when I went in to have a stress test done, they had the monitor on your belly. And, you know, when you're pregnant, you're huge and mm-hmm. they want, you know, lay back in a chair and hook this monitor up around your stomach. And it's just so uncomfortable. And at this point, I didn't really have contractions. Like I had the Braxton Hicks contractions. Like I felt the tightening of my stomach, but nothing was painful. Like I would, it was uncomfortable, obviously, but 
It wasn't, you know, like, oh my gosh, like the baby's coming type of contractions. And while I was in there getting my stress test done, I was contracting and all of a sudden the baby's heart rate started to decel. And that was a major um, flag for them. Like, okay, your baby's heart's decelling, something's going on. And so I was 11 days overdue. They checked me and I was only like a half a centimeter. I wasn't even, you know, far along as far as dilation goes. But I ended up having, you know, inconsistent monitor readings for a couple hours. And I just had a lot of negative, negative nurses and doctors at this point because I wanted to have my natural birth. Coming in, I didn't even get to labor, and they were telling me that you know the baby should be taken, you know I should have a C-section as soon as possible. And the one time, now the monitor they had in- inconsistent monitorings where the baby heart rate dropped several times. And the one time I remember I was sitting in the bed and I was talking to my dad on the phone because he was on his way home, and I sat up and the monitor slipped off my belly. And all of a sudden, the machine started beeping and going red and going nuts. And the nurse came in and she's like, oh, my gosh, we lost baby's heart rate. And I'm like, well, here's the monitor, you know, it's hanging off my belly. And she's like, well, no, it dropped before that. And so um, the doctor came in. And then at this point, my mom was there and my brother was there and they came in. And the doctor's like, we need to take the baby right away. You need to have a C-section. You're putting your baby at risk. You're putting your baby at harm. And I'm like, listen, guys, the monitor slipped off my belly. You know, like, I'm huge. You're making me lay on my back. And this monitor keeps falling off of me. It's not staying on, you know. And um, my husband and I declined the C-section that he wanted us to have. I wanted a chance to see if my body would go into natural labor before, you know, they they decide to take the baby. It wasn't like an emergency, like, Mm -hmm. right now type of thing. It's like, you better consider a C-section for the overall health of your baby. And we declined it because we wanted to talk about it and um, make sure it was the right decision for us at that time. And when the doctor came in and told us that, my family was there and they were all concerned. They wanted the baby to be safe. They wanted me to be safe. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, they're like, okay, Alyssa, you need to have a C-section. I know you, sh- you know, you did- that's not what you wanted, but you need to do it. And I was just, you know, so upset. So distraught, I asked everyone to leave because I remember it, that. Yeah. It needs to be a decision between my husband and I. Like it's our baby, and we need to, you know, be educated, make educated decisions. Now at the time I was only 20 years old. My husband was 19. So, you know, we thought, you know, we need to learn this on our own. And we had nurses come in and tell me, you you need to have a C-section. You're you're gonna kill your baby. And they just were saying all these negative things to me about if you don't do this, you're going to kill your baby. And at nine months pregnant, you know, you're so emotional, you're so tired, you're, you know, ready to be done being pregnant. And then you have all these nurses and doctors saying, you need, you need to do this. You're going to kill your baby. Don't you care about the life of your baby? And I just heard so many negative things. And it was, it was very sad. I was, I remember sitting in the bathroom, you know, going pee I was not allowed off that monitor Uh, but I remember going into the bathroom to try to go go pee and I was off the monitor for maybe two or three minutes and the nurse came in and was like yelling at me and at this point it was like midnight we've been there all day and um, my husband and I just decided you know everyone's telling me I need a c-section 
we'll just do it. So at one in the morning, it was 1.30 in the morning, I had my C-section and I cried the whole time. I had people in the um, OR room that was asking me like, is this the right decision for you? Did you consent to this? And I was just crying. I couldn't talk. I was shaking so bad. And before we consented to the C-section, we asked my doctor, okay, if we do the C-section, am I able to have a VBAC and birth vaginally next time? And he told me, yeah, that um, this is a baby-specific C-section. Next time when you have a baby, you'll be able to have a VBAC. And so that is another reason why we decided, okay, we should just finally do the C-section. So, you know, we did the C-section when um, Micah was pulled out of me um, during the C-section, he did not cry. And like, we're like, oh my gosh, is he okay? And apparently um, his cord had a little twist in it. So they maybe think it contributed to that. And that's why his heart was deselling. But Micah, as a baby, he did not cry at all. He was just, that was just his temperament. He loved to sleep. And postpartum wise, uh, Micah was a very good first, <laughs> first baby. Mm-hmm. He slept. Um, we actually had to set timers every four hours to make sure he nursed. And, but after that birth experience, I was just so motivated. As soon as I got home from the hospital, I was just so motivated to find VBAC stories and just listen to different things about having a vaginal birth. And that was my goal, you know, for my next baby. I was looking forward to that. Like my next baby, I get to try to do it the natural way, the way I, the way I want it. Before you go into your next baby story here, do you feel that the staff at the first hospital, do you feel like they treated you so poorly because of your age? I feel that does have, uh, Mm -hmm. um, so the way they treated me that, you know, teenagers coming in thinking they know it all and they don't want to listen to us who, you know, are Mm -hmm. experienced. And I also think they have an edge because the hospital was closing. Yeah. Had so many, you know, births they were going to have left at that hospital. So I think that was also a contributing factor that, you know, they're a little edgy because they're losing their job. And, you know, I wasn't complying. I guess so many people, when you go into a hospital and you have your baby, you do what the doctor tells you to do because you ultimately trust your doctor. But after reading, you know, natural home birth um, stories and uh, my book and stuff, sometimes, you know, they just want you to progress at a certain rate and get the baby done and over with and have you birth as fast as you can. So they give you Pitocin, they break your waters and get you moving along. But sometimes they don't let you birth, you know, the way your body's meant to birth. So, so yeah, I definitely think, you know, my age had a factor with how I was treated. But yeah, after... Uh, my postpartum care after I went back to get my stitches removed, my doctor who told me that, you know, yeah, you'll be able to do a VBAC told me that whenever I got my stitches removed that, no, I'm a C-section now. I'm always going to be a C-section. And it was very discouraging because he told me that, yes, you can um, have a vaginal birth, but then now the new hospital wherever where that doctor who delivered my first baby was going to does not do VBACs. So your your repeat section, but he told me, you know, don't worry. If you want a large family, I can do however many C sections you want. So it's just it was very discouraging whenever he told me that. Yeah, I just felt lied to, and 
I feel like I couldn't trust anyone. Like my doctors were letting me down. And I know I heard this so many times when I was at the hospital. The ultimate goal was a healthy baby. And and I'm like, well, what about my what about my health? What about my mental health? Like I had this whole plan of what I wanted to do and how I want everything to go. And yet the ultimate goal is a healthy baby. You know, I got a healthy baby, but mom is, you know, a little depressed and on the edge here because you know, she didn't get what she wanted. And yeah, I know the ultimate goal is to have a healthy baby, but you also need to to have a good experience. And you know, if you have a bad experience, sometimes that might create a, a negative perspective towards your baby, like, oh, you put me through that type of thing. But that is my first first birth story with Micah. So my second one with Henry, we did a lot of research and I did find a VBAC friendly hospital. And I heard that to increase your success for a VBAC, you need to hire a doula. So we found some doulas and we hired a doula. Now this was during COVID. So we only met with the doula like three times before we went in to have our second baby. So but for this- our listeners who don't know what a doula is, can you explain what a doula is? Okay, I definitely doula- don't know what a doula is. <laughs> a doula is like a birthing assistant. They know how to, they can go in with you whenever you birth your baby and they help you get in good positions. Um, they help rub your back and just basically assist you and your husband or your partner through your birth um, to make sure you have everything you need. And they help you effectively communicate with your doctors, like what you want. And yeah, they just, they're, they're basically a support for your birth. So we hired a doula and she was terrific. She came to our house um, once during COVID and she taught us, you know, how to get labor going and how to do certain moves each day, you know, to open the pelvis and to get the baby down and just relaxing techniques and methods. And this time we really studied birthing, which is basically um, learning how to breathe. And just focus on um, getting your mind in a state where you're just so zoned that you don't even realize what's going on with your body. I practice hypnobirthing, um, pretty intense to try to get my mind in that zone. That way I can fully relax my body and let my body do the work it needs to do for this time around. And I also went to a chiropractor to help um, open up my hips and stuff and get everything opened and ready for baby to, to drop down. Another thing we did for this second birth is we did not find out our gender. That was tough. Yeah. Which looks for (laughs) I know if our birth didn't end up in a successful VBAC, then, you know, we have the extra surprise of finding out what our baby's going to be during that repeat section. So that's pretty cool. But uh, my labor and delivery went well. Like, I loved the doctors I had. I found a really supportive doctor who would do a VBAC. Now, I didn't really explain what VBAC was, but it's a vaginal birth after cesarean. So I went to a hospital and they, the hospital is VBAC tolerant, which means that um, policy is if you are going into labor and you're trying for a VBAC, they will tolerate it. But the doctor I had was VBAC supportive. So he was more, you know, pushing me towards achieving that goal and making sure that I got what I wanted. But whenever I was, I think it was 30 weeks along, I had a doctor who made me schedule my C-section date for um, a week after my due date, just um, as standard protocol, because the doctors who were feedback tolerant wouldn't let you go so far past your due date. 
However, my doctor would allow me to be induced. So I scheduled my C-section date for a week after my due date. And um, the doctor that I was going, that was going to induce me, decided to change my C-section date to my induction date. So I was supposed to be induced at 41 weeks to try for my VBAC. But around 39 weeks, I went in and um, everything went well. Um, I was one centimeter dilated. And my doctor gave me a call later that day and said that they had a scheduling conflict and that my induction date would not work. I would either have to come in that day, like at 39 weeks, and have my induction, or I would have to switch to a new doctor who's brand new, who just came to the practice like that week and get induced in, um, I think it was only like four or five days. Like then I would be 40 weeks and three days is when I got induced. So I decided, you know, I could either go in that day at 39 weeks and get induced, or I can keep my C-section date and hope that I produce the baby naturally on its own, but for my C-section date, or I go and get induced at 40 weeks and three days. <sighs> With a oh, new- surprise, Alyssa. Do you want a baby today, right now? Yeah. Gosh. But I I wanted to, you know, labor as naturally as I could without, you know, being I didn't want to be induced because being induced with a VBAC actually decreases your chances of actually having a successful VBAC. So we decided, you know, we didn't we didn't want to be induced that day. Well, and for other reasons, my husband couldn't get off work. You know, if we were to go in, that would throw everyone in the loop. My mom, my husband, and everyone, you know, we didn't get to sleep that day, but we decided not to do that. We decided to try the new doctor and get induced at 40 weeks in three days. So the day before we went in and met the new doctor. Now she, at first she seemed like very tough and like, oh, you only have 49% chance of success if I induce you tomorrow. And it was very, you know, it was very discouraging, but I was still at one centimeter that day when I went in and what they were going to do, they were going to start with the fully bulb, which is like a balloon that they put in um, to help open your cervix. So um, they sent us home that night and the next morning we came in and we started with the fully bulb and it only took about an hour, hour and a half for me to dilate till three centimeters. Now the fully bulb falls out at three centimeters. So it only took about an hour, hour and a half for me to dilate to three centimeters. And then they started low Pitocin. Now, for VBAC patients, a lot of people, a lot of doctors don't use Pitocin because of the increased chance of uterine rupture from the previous C-section. But um, this doctor, as well as the doctor that I had before her, you know, that switched me, um, they were the only two doctors that would allow Pitocin to be used during the induction process. So I was very thankful for that, that she was willing to work with me and willing to do that with me. We started with the Pitocin. And I got to labor i got to experience contractions which i was so excited for be able to experience that but what concerned me was you know the pain i'm feeling i wanted to make sure that it was safe because i i didn't know if like the pain in my lower abdomen was from my c-section scar or if it was you know that's what it's supposed to feel like when you have a baby but i got to labor for 18 hours i had the fully ball put in to get to three centimeters and then i had the pitocin Eventually, through the night, they broke my water, and um, I had to have a 
internal fetal monitor where they twist it into the baby's scalp to make sure they don't lose the heart rate because the monitor rate kept slipping off my belly like the first time. And so they wanted to make sure that they had a consistent reading the whole time and put the internal fetal monitor in. And after it was like 16, 17 hours of labor, um, the doctor came in and checked me and I was only at four centimeters. So after all that time, after the fluid ball came out, you know, I didn't get too far. <clears throat> However, I was laboring after the Pitocin got my contraction started. They actually took me off Pitocin and I was able to labor without the Pitocin, which was good. Um, my body was actually laboring on its own without the Pitocin. But at about 16, 17 hours, they came in. I was only four centimeters. And I didn't want an epidural. I didn't want no pain relief or anything like that. But the doctor suggested, you know, maybe you should have an epidural. That way it relaxes your pelvic muscles. And maybe that will help move the baby down if you're fully relaxed. And like you don't feel anything. So your body just relaxes and opens up. So my doula was there with us. With COVID, you know, they wouldn't let doulas in at first. But she what sweet talked her way in. And was able to come into the room with us um, at our hospital. So she was helping me with positions and stuff. But she recommended, yes, you should probably get, I know you don't want, you know, to have an epidural. But you probably should get an epidural. That way it helps open things up. And also, if it would end up in a C-section, then um, they wouldn't be rushing around. I already have the epidural. They just need to increase it. That way it is an emergency. You know, everything's already there. But they gave me the epidural. and. I started to relax and about an hour went by and all of a sudden the baby's heart rate started to drop. And when your waters break, <laughs> when you break your waters, every contraction, like a little bit of gush comes out from the fluid. So when the amniotic fluid was coming out, it was coming out brown and that was um, the meconium. So the baby pooped inside and was breathing that meconium and they didn't want the baby in there any longer. So they had to hurry up and rush me for an emergency safe section. And this one was a gentle, it was called a gentle emergency <laughs> where it was a clear screen. And I could see like once the baby, like I'm short. So honestly, a taller person, I would have been able to see the baby be pulled out and stuff, but they actually had to hold the baby up in the air for me to see. <laughs> the baby. But it was, it was a, definitely a different experience from my second one. I felt, I felt like I had a, a say in the process and was able to kind of like make the decisions that I wanted to like I consented to you know all the intervention because it gave me a chance to actually try to have a vaginal birth um, even though I didn't want intervention my ultimate goal was to, you know have the baby come out of my vagina I mean that's, <laughs> that's what I wanted. and if I had to do use all those interventions to get there then that's what I needed to do but it ultimately didn't end up that way but I had a good experience my second time around, even though, you know, the scheduling conflicts and stuff like that. My C-section went great. Recovery was great. Definitely the second C-section was a faster healing time for me. Like I wasn't in as much pain. I didn't actually, I only took pain meds, I think, for the first day. And then after that, you know, I didn't take any pain meds because I felt good. I definitely knew what to expect, I guess, the second time around the second C-section wasn't as bad. But as far as post postpartum for my second baby, I did have a little bit of depression. I don't know why, but I don't know if it's just from the hormones or maybe just from all the drugs in my system from everything that they gave me. 
but I did have, you know, just minor depression for the first two weeks or so coming home. Um, but generally I was, I was so excited to get, I think part of that stemmed from being in the hospital so long for four days, knowing that I had a toddler back at home, I was kind of like depressed, you know, like, I can't wait to get back home. If I didn't have a C-section, I would have been there by now, but yeah. And also another reason why I might've been depressed is because, you know, I had this second C-section and I had like a loss of hope that, you know, my big hope for a big family is, is gone because now I'm going to have repeated C-sections in the future. And I don't know about you, but I don't like the thought of being cut open um, <laughs> like for surgery. I mean, it's for a good cause, I guess, to bring a baby into the world, but I don't know. I just, it, it's discouraging. My doctor did say after delivering my second baby that if I could find a hospital that does VBACs, after two C-sections that I would be a candidate for. And she did say um, there are some hospitals down in Lancaster that do that. And when I, actually, when I came home, I actually did call down in Lancaster to some of the hospitals down there. And there is a hospital that will support um, a VBAC after two C-sections. So That's definitely interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know the medical research on, on it or anything, but the thought of how many C-sections can a woman actually safely go through where it's mm -hmm. not damaging her body long-term, you know, because it's a major well, surgery. Yes, it is. It's a major, a major abdominal surgery, but my doctor told me four. Four. four wow. But actually this, I had a great recovery as far as like feeling with this C-section because she, the first C-section was stapled, which hurt so bad. And then the second one was sutures, which were internal and they dissolved. So it, it felt much better and it wasn't as painful, but my incision actually popped open a few months later, a hole in my incision site. Now I thought it was just, you know, a pimple made from sweating or something, but it was a hole that was like the size of a pin, tip of a pen. And it was so painful, like even when I showered and like water ran into it, it was just so painful. And they said, yeah, that, you know, from lifting stuff, my incision popped open. Once you have a baby and you have a toddler, I think lifting things is pretty inevitable. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. My husband went to work 10 days, five days after I had our second baby. So my two-year-old 35-pound toddler, you know, getting in and out of his bed at night was, was rough. You know, my husband shift, so he was gone during the nights and during bath time and stuff like that. But that was my my experience. I've learned. I think it's it, as I go through go through the process. I'm learning that I'm not in control. Can plan and prepare and go through. You know all the steps. You know I'm a big planner. I I work hard for what I want and what I get. But when it comes to babies and birthing your baby, you're, you're not going to get, you know, you're not in control. <laughs> yeah. Got a different plan for you, you know, it, yeah, I got another way I got through this process, um, having my babies was through faith and just relying on God. I really dug in with, um, my second baby, just relying on God to, you know, do what is best. Like, I don't know what's best for me. He does. So I just need to trust in his plan and everything happens for a reason. So Alyssa, I know that you're hoping for more babies in the future. Does it 
and I, I know I've even fallen victim to asking you before, like, oh, when are you having your next baby? Because I know that's what you want. But hearing your birth story and the struggles that you've gone through and the struggles that you're facing in a future pregnancy, does it bother you when people ask that? It doesn't bother me. I mean, I think every baby is a blessing and I can't, I'm ecstatic about thinking about having another baby. Like I just love babies. If that's something, if I need to go through another C-section to bring a baby into the school, I guess that's what I need to do to, you know, to receive my blessing is to undergo that. So coming from a family standpoint, I remember Micah and being in the hospital with Micah and how much pressure dad and like mom and like myself put on you to like just go through with the C-section because like we were just thinking like it's like something's going to happen. So like with someone who wants to go naturally like you did, what would be the best advice to give to them if they have unsupportive family or unsupportive doctors, but they have a goal in mind for themselves and their kid? Well, ultimately, I don't think you guys were unsupportive. I just think you guys were very caring. Like you didn't want nothing to happen to me. You didn't want nothing to happen mm-hmm. to the um, and I was just pushing you to to make me do something to make sure that the baby's safe. And I, I understand that and I respect that. Even though at the time I'm like, oh, get out of here. Yeah. But ultimately, I think it's between you and your husband or you and your partner to make that decision. It's it's you got to decide what's best for you and, and your situation and know you, you know your body. You know your body. Anyone else does. So if you know something's wrong, you feel like something's wrong. Um, then you got to go with your gut and, and, you know, do what you need to do. But ultimately, if you just have unsupportive people or people who just care too much, they don't want nothing to happen to you. Just say what you want and say, this is what I'm going for. I like, I done all my research. I'm making educated decisions and you may not like that, but just know that, you know, I'm doing what's, what I think is best for my family and for my baby, for me. Because okay, I'm the one staying up at night changing the diapers. Yeah. And, you know, I have to be, you know, sane and healthy mentally and physically mm-hmm. to take care of this child. This child's my responsibility, ultimately. Yeah, it's crazy to think about because you had such a hard time going through with your birth and like you had it all planned out. I literally went into the delivery room thinking what I don't have no clue what's gonna happen like I didn't even like I had no plan I'm just like I'm just going with the flow things are gonna happen when it's gonna happen yeah and it was that month that you had Carly you had your baby that when we were standing in there and just hearing you know the sounds of labor like it was Mm -hmm. just empowering like I want to do that too like I want to have a baby like that Mm -hmm. and it just I don't you just showed how strong you are to deliver your baby and it's just I just want to feel that that power and be able to do it too. I think I'm more on the side of Kayla when I went into the hospital they're like okay what's your birth plan and I'm like um have a baby yeah (laughs) I'm like I don't know I'm just here I'm here for the ride All right, guys, that's where we decided to end part one. We weren't originally planning on making it a two-part show. So if it sounds kind of awkward just leading, ending off that way, it's because it kind of is. We edited it out. Uh, it was going to be too long to do just all in one part. So we did two parts, and part two is available now. And in part two, we talk about Kayla and I go over our birth stories. Kayla talks about being pregnant and having an eating disorder and at the same time planning a wedding. And all the fun things that go along with that. And then I talk about my story talking about mental health struggles during pregnancy. 
and having to find a support system outside of my family since I was so many states away and other complicating factors that went in with that. I also talk about contemplating adoption for ourselves and the journey that it it came to having a baby in a, a situation where I wasn't prepared to do so. So make sure you go ahead and you check out part two and make sure you give us a like on Facebook on, we have a Twitter now, we have Instagram, we have all that fun pizzazz. So make sure you like us and make sure you send us any story topics, any ideas that you would want to do. And we'd love to have you on the show. So check us out for part two. Thank you.